0: and welcome to better done than perfect a show for sas founders and product people today our awesome guest is jimmy rose the founder of content snare and we're going to talk about business automation this time this show is brought to you by Userlist, the best tool for sending onboarding emails and segmenting your sas users to follow the best practices Download our free printable email planning worksheets at useless.com slash worksheets. Hi, Jimmy.
1: Hey, Jane. How's it going?
0: Doing great. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, man. It's uh, it's really cool to be here. I guess we were kind of talking about this before, but uh, it worked out that I know you, well, know who you are from a long time ago. And I, we only just put the dots to. I only just put the dots together before we started talking.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just for for the listeners, for the context, uh, you run <laughs> Content Snare, which is a document collection tool, and my my previous SaaS ages ago was called Tiny Reminder, which did that, but in a very small and. Uh, unsuccessful way, unlike, unlike Jimmy, who's yeah. really succeeding it.
1: I mean, <laughs> well, <right? laughs> sort of. Sort of. I just found it so funny that I was like, where have I heard of Jane before? And then when you mentioned uh, your old SaaS business, I was like, oh, wow, because obviously I'd done a bunch of competitor analysis back in the day, and uh, you were on my radar then, and I'd, I'd forgotten where I knew you from. I, thought, I just assumed I must have seen you on Twitter or something before. <laughs>
0: So it is a small world. Uh, yeah. Tell us a bit of your background story. What you do? Why automation is your big thing? And mm. uh, how does your yeah. team work?
1: Sure. So I mean, I've been in, i um, not SaaS, but software since probably 2010. That was when we, then we, that's when we built our first software product. It was a desktop product. It was like SaaS wasn't really big at that point, and um, you know we needed some pretty heavy processing power, which just wasn't really available through browsers then. Yeah, so that's god 11 years ago. How crazy is that? But uh since then we've built three products. We actually sold one. We, we built Silver Siphon in 2014 and then sold that to an investment company in 2017. Uh, we've had an agency kind of in the background the whole time and then eventually we built Content Snare because we noticed a pretty big problem in our agency. Uh in the getting information from clients was a pain in the butt. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like you know web designers especially plagued by this issue of getting content from clients so we built a product for them and now we've gone on to work in all kinds of industries which is crazy which i'm sure we'll get into later that's pretty much my background how does my team work i don't know pretty standard i guess we have got four developers <laughs> one two three yeah four developers yeah a couple of support people me and working on marketing and product It's and and uh support yeah that's about it <laughs>
0: What I'd love to hear is that segue from business automation into oh, yeah. being an agency yourself and then building software for agencies and how it all ties together.
1: Yeah. So automation for me became quite large, well, a big part of my life during the agency because we, as every agency owner knows, you kind of work to death and it's, it's pretty common for agency owners to just work themselves into the ground, take on too many things take on the wrong clients, and then they're just so busy all the time. I was in a uniquely good position, I guess, because my job before we started a business was a control systems engineer, which is also like a automation engineer, is another word for the same thing, where we essentially automated industrial processes. So I kind of had that knowledge to be able to apply to business automation because tools like Zapier and Integromat, which a lot of people are probably familiar with listening to this. The mental process for creating automation is pretty well similar. Like if you can code, you know, or you can, that's what control systems engineering was like, a special kind of coding. So if you've got that mind, it's pretty easy to fall into that, you know, do pretty well at automating stuff. And I hit a breaking point in our agency just doing too much work and I discovered Zapier at the time. And I just kind of went crazy on trying to automate as much as possible to get some time back, you know, like I'd spend money on anything that could save me time just because I was sick of having a crap life because I <laughs> had no time. So that wasn't just tools like Zapier and Integramat. That was also, you know, any piece of software that could save me time. You know, happy to spend, you know, 50 bucks a month to save a couple of hours, you know. And I mean, at that time, I was probably a SaaS founder's dream. I was signing up for everything. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of, that, that actually made a really big mindset shift for me that like, that's why you pay for tools and products is to get your sanity back. It's not just time, it's to get your life and your your sanity back. So I don't know if that's probably a long-winded version of what you were looking for, but that's my story.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about business automation and mm. Did your agency ever uh, do actual services for others in business automation, or was it always just your passion project, sort of?
1: Right. So the agency itself was mostly web design and custom software. Uh, That was, we didn't do any services like in the automation space until only about a year ago Uh, that I, I did. But when I say my agency, it was me. Because I liked automation and um, I hadn't really trained up anyone on it. I think it's a very difficult skill set to to hire someone to help out with because it requires knowledge of you know, CRMs and ticketing systems and like you need to know so many different bits and pieces to you know, put it all together. Um, so it was just me. And yeah, so I have done that for clients for probably the last 12 months, but I'm actually on my last client now and I'm not doing it anymore because as many business owners know... There's always like shiny objects that distract you from what you're supposed to be doing. And for me, that's content snare. So no more client work.
0: Tell us what business automation means for you. And every business is different, uh, starting Mm -hmm. from like, uh, you know, e-commerce versus SaaS versus agency, whatever, like large Mm -hmm. business types. But also every founder is different. Every team has their own flavor doing the work. So what does business automation entail in some standard sense?
1: I I think it's really just automate, like having a computer do the work that a human would normally do. That's probably the simplest definition, you know. And that can mean software. It can mean you know connecting tools like Zapier and Integromat. I mean, even really basic stuff. Like I even count voice typing as a form of automation. You know, on my Android phone, I when I'm out and about, I rarely type. I just use the voice to text feature to write messages to my friends, you know, like that's a, that's a form of automation, even anything that is just saving you time that like an, and a computer is doing the work.
0: Is there like a specific uh, set of things or tools that could be applicable to any business? For example, it's pretty standard to say that, uh, you know, Calendly or Savvy Cal setup is a requirement, right? Because it's hard to operate without it. I really re- remember those times 10 years ago when there was no scheduling oh. tool out there. It yeah. was a disaster. To <laughs> time zones.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It took a while for the stigma to go away as well. Because people thought for a while that sending a link was a bit impersonal. And I just never understood that. Because wh- why would you s- send five, six, seven emails? To do something that could be done in like three seconds with a link. (laughs) It's crazy. But now I think everyone's kind of, they deal with it now. I even send Calendly links to my friends now, so (laughs) it's fine. So to answer your question though, like, do you kind of want to know what tools are, you know, a standard stack, if you will?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Calendly is obviously a really good one to start on. Savvy Kell seems to be making waves at the moment. God, I mean, you could you could cast this net so wide, you know. Do you go as far as Google Drive, like some kind of storage? Yeah, let's
0: talk about that. How do you choose a solution that works for everybody and uh, (laughs) make sure it's a good one and
1: Uh, sleep at night
0: knowing that Google owns your files? Exciting. Uh,
1: Yeah, honestly, I, I don't know. I've never been bothered by any of that kind of stuff, and maybe it'll come back to bite me one day. I just tend to go with whatever's easiest for me at the time, you know. Obviously, into the future as well, but. Anyway, I think you know just to be wary of everyone's time because we could talk about how you select every category of products but but I think a standard a standard stack is you know like email is probably a good place to start, you know, I most people just use Gmail, but I can't tell you how much time I save with uh Superhuman, which is a Gmail client. It's you know 30 bucks a month, which is pretty expensive for a Gmail client, but uh it's crazy the amount of time it saves me. It is actually just really fast. Um I had a lot of performance issues with Gmail, um, you know, with large threads, um, and the keyboard-centric focus, I guess, of Superhuman's been really good for me. But you know, it doesn't have to be a client like Superhuman either. You know, there's if you're working in a team, all these like unified inbox tools. uh, That's kind of the categories. Like Front is really popular. You know, (laughs) yeah, and some people are using Intercom. Like we use Intercom as our you know support mechanism and and team email for content snare so i think that's one thing that everybody needs for sure but again there's no one size fits all solution there uh, i don't think you know not everyone likes intercom because of the pricing or whatever and so that that's one thing but the two that i would say pretty much everyone should be using a zappy and Integramat. You know they as i think one of them has the tagline, the glue of the internet. So it sticks all your apps together. And that, I mean, that's where my, I don't know, love is, you know, like everyone can sign up for a project management system. Everyone has probably has some kind of task manager or project management. And we could talk about those all day. But what I love talking about is the actual, you know, Zapier and Integromat, the, the glue, the bit that sticks everything together. And I think it's really important for people to have an understanding of those tools because, the only other option are built-in integrations, you know. So, like, if you've got you know some project management tool that has a Google Drive integration that I don't know, automatically creates folders for you or something, but in, in Google Drive, but you're you're stuck with whatever they decided the integration should be like. That's what you get. You that's it. You, if you want something else, too bad. Whereas with Zapier and Integromat, you essentially get to build your own connectors, you know, and you can do whatever you want and you know to me built-in integrations with an app are just not even important anymore because i do everything through zapier and integramat because you get full control over where the data is going you know what's happening and then you can do like multiple actions as well you know like the i don't know what's a good example a, a really simple example is like when a, someone fills out your contact form if you've got a contact form you might want to push the data into your crm whatever that you know active campaign or hubspot whatever you're using but that's probably, you'll be stuck with that. But if you use Zapier and you also want to put that lead into a spreadsheet or something or like a task management system for someone to follow up on, you could do that with Zapier. You just add an extra step and say, also put that person, when they fill out my contact form, put them in my CRM and create a task for someone on my team to follow up with them. And, you know, a really a small tweak of that workflow, which I use daily, is, yeah, they, they get put in. So when someone signs up for a product, they get put into our CRM and then we have a, a lead score step, which is built into Zapier. It's a, it's called lead score by Zapier and it essentially just looks up an email address and finds out how many staff that company has, what country they're in and a few other data points. Lead enrichment is the sort of category of tool. So there's quite a lot of tools that can do that, but there's a free one built into Zapier. And then, so basically we can say if someone's got more than like a hundred staff, then put a a task in my own personal task manager to follow up with that person because I know a large company just signed up for our product. So that's like a cool little workflow that can actually help generate more sales, right? And I landed a huge company from this once because basically it notified me straight away that this like 10,000 person company had signed up for our product and I was able to reach out to them while they were still there trialing it you know they're still online <laughs> and it wasn't some like automated intercom pop up or something it was it was actually me being like hey i saw you guys signed up i'm really interested in like how are you using this product like what can i help you with or whatever so yeah i don't know i think that hopefully that's helpful because that that little workflow i reckon has made me quite a bit of money and it's such a simple <laughs> simple little thing
0: I'm really glad that we're having this conversation now because I have a question about IFTTT and we had this Uh um, chat before the recording where you control your lights for uh, the (laughs) video setup uh, through that. It's also an automation engine, right? But how does it work? What's the difference between IFTTT and um, Zapier, let's say?
1: Yeah, I, I consider IFTTT to be almost like a Zapier light you know, late. It's is like a small, like a not quite fully featured version of Zapier. Like you said, I do some cool things with it. Like I've got an old phone set up next to me that I'm, instead of using an Elgato stream deck, I've just got like a, it's called touch portal, which is an Android app that communicates, like it sends HTTP. So, sorry, it's got buttons on it basically. And I can click one that turns the lights behind me on and, and, you know, turns all my video stuff on and off and could do other cool things with it too. But, you know, and that all runs through IFTTT. Now where IFTTT really shines is in home automation stuff. Like almost every consumer type product has an IFTTT integration, right? So people might be familiar with Philips Hue, which is the smart lighting suite uh, from Philips. That's what the light the coloured lights behind me are, uh, you know, and I've, half my house has got Philips Hue stuff in it, so that can all be controlled through IFTTT. Uh, you know, there's like IFTTT does have some business apps in there too, like Trello and Google Drive, Dropbox, like a lot of that kind of stuff's in there. But generally, I, you know, the the multi-step automations aren't as good. They they have, <clears throat> in it, like in the last sort of twelve months, I think they added that as a feature. Uh, previously, that wasn't even possible, but it's like, yeah, for basic automations with consumer type stuff is probably where IFTTT is more, I don't know, prominent.
0: What's the difference between Zapier and Integromat, <laughs> in your opinion, if it's not a war
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 it's fine. I, I talk about these two uh, all the time and IFTTT, like these are, they're all somewhat competitors. And I use all of them for different things because they've all got their own strengths and weaknesses. So I see Integramat as probably a level up from Zapier in functionality. It is a very, very capable product that you can do more complicated things than you can in Zapier. However, the learning curve is higher and it's quite hard to use uh, at first. Once you get used to it it's, it's quite it's good uh, if you know what you're doing, but there's a lot of you know I would never put someone who's never programmed before, like never written a line of code into Integramat first first up it's just too much uh you know because a lot of the functionality that you have to you know, it's almost using code like blocks you know you have to have like if statements inline if statements and and uh array functions and stuff like this but i mean in zapier it's really hard to do that same kind of stuff if, if even possible at all so the benefit of zapier however is it's got way more apps it's, it's easier to use it's, it's got way more integrations so the chances of it in, integrating out of the box with uh, something you all the things you already use the apps you already use it's got a higher chance of that you know and there are some things i find it it does like the the that lead score thing i was talking about before that says how many staff you know that doesn't exist for free in integramat you can plug into other tools that do it but that's just built into zapier the email parser in zapier is just like that's basically nowhere near as good in integramat so email parser is such an amazing tool because it allows you to catch an email, an incoming email and extract bits of data from it. So let's say you got a, an alert from WordPress, say that your website had a, I don't know, some kind of problem, like a plugin need an upgrade, or there was like a security, something like a security alert for some reason. And if the plugin doesn't have any way of communicating with Zapier, it just sends emails you can actually use the Zappy email parser to extract the information and run a workflow with that. So it's a kind of Whoa. way to in- integrate with things that don't have integrations. So I that's didn't know really,
0: about that. That's impressive.
1: Yeah. The parser is awesome. It's, it's such a good way to, like, yeah, you can kind of build your own integrations with things that don't have integrations. So that's very cool. So there's just, I guess, just to finish that off there, like, it, there is no hard and fast rule on. One or the other. I do have an extended video on Zapier versus Integromat. I don't know if you want to link that up, but I think if you search Zapier versus Integromat and search Jimmy Rose, um, you'll probably end up on my YouTube. It's it's fairly in depth video. There's a yeah, it's like I don't know six months old or whoever now. So a few things have actually changed. I actually complain about two things in Integromat uh, that have since been fixed. So <laughs> I, I can't update the video, unfortunately. Thank you, YouTube.
0: Let's talk about client intake document. Processing document collection, whatever you say, because that's your core business. <laughs> and let's discuss ways of doing that without dedicated software. And mm. what happens if you decide to use a tool like Content Snare or or you, you name a few other competitors, which I know, but maybe you have, you know, <laughs> your own yeah. dignified way of talking about them.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a funny space to be honest. Like, there's not many that are an exact competitor. Like, there are a few around the place. But what you're talking about, I mean, it's not necessarily just document intake, but it's just collecting information from people. Uh, And traditionally, this is done with email, right? And so if you need a whole bunch of information from a client, you go, okay, here's like 10 questions. And I need these four documents. And the client's got to hit reply. And then kind of Put a couple of line breaks in between each item that you asked, and then put some blue text in there or something to to answer you, <laughs> like or some red text like the inline answers in a in an email thread it just and it's so funny that everyone just does this, and it's kind of the accepted way you know, and then they might put three attachments in for the you know let's refer below to the attachment for this question. so now you've got this like wall of text with like different colored text and with your questions and answers in there and then some documents down below. And it's just a mess, right? And, and sometimes if you don't have all the answers, you'll only reply to half of them. The client will reply to the first half, and then they'll send another email later with another couple of answers and another email later with a different document. So now you've got like six emails with <laughs> different information. That's essentially what we try to solve. Um, you know, and, and almost every business has this problem. Uh, like anyone that deals with clients. So... Agencies were the original. Um, we worked with agencies to start with because they build websites for clients, right? And, and they need information like content, website content from the clients. And some people would do this with email. Some people would do this with like Word, uh, Google Docs, which also turn into a mess because they're just so free form um, for for clients. But yeah, that's I don't. It's so funny. I just find it funny that because I never I never looked for a solution to this before we built our product. Once I realized how much of a problem this was, I was like, wow, like this is we we've got to fix this. Um, and to be honest, there's not a lot out there that does a good job of of this. I think a lot of I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's not a easy, just be brutally honest here, it's not an easy uh thing to sell to people because a lot of people never realize they actually have a problem <laughs> until they use our product and they're like, holy crap, where's this been all my life?
0: So, how do you think we could apply the principles of uh, automation that we we've discussed uh, to to this process?
1: Yeah, well, I mean other than telling people to go and sign up for my product uh, <laughs> but uh, that's that's the obvious answer, but I think any way you can make things easier for your client is going to go a long way, right so I know a lot of people resort to spreadsheets uh, for questions like this because then at least if if you encourage your client to put answers in a spreadsheet, there's one copy of this thing at all times, you know, and if they they overwrite a question, it's, it's overwritten. You can see the new version of that question or the answer, sorry. Whereas like in an email, if someone replies in line with the wrong answer and then corrects themselves later, there's a pretty high chance you might accidentally see that wrong answer later. Um, you know, a lot of people maintain their own lists of spreadsheets. So, um, you know, if, if they're asking lots of data from a client. They might put it into a Google Doc or a spreadsheet. And it just means you have to be really diligent every time an email comes in that you put that information where it should be, whether that's in like a, you know, a Google Doc or a spreadsheet or something like that. Forms are another option.
0: That was exactly my question. Like, why are you never bringing up any forms there?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so forms work if you're asking the same amount of information, the exact same questions every time, right? Like it's not, really like if you're going to use like type form or whatever really good if you want everyone to go through the same set of questions and if there's a small amount of questions so you know if you can reasonably expect your client to fill out everything in 10 minutes a form makes sense if it's going to be longer than that chances are they're going to get called away something's going to happen they close the window and everything they've done is lost right So, and it's not a very good client experience to expect that of them. You know, if you send someone a massive client briefing form and they have to fill it all out in one go, you know, and take out like an hour of their day or something, like, I just don't think that's a good thing to do for a client, for your client experience. And it doesn't reflect well on you. There are a lot of Save and continue features in various forms. Like they've got the ability to, like, there'll be a button down the bottom that says save and continue, and the client can get a link and come back later. But I, we used to use that in our agency, and it—you wouldn't believe how many clients mess that up. I mean, there's, pro, there's probably people listening to this like nodding along, like, oh yeah, I believe that because they, client, <laughs> my clients will mess anything up, and that's kind of the way it is. Like, if you don't have a really simple process for your clients, they'll find a way to to mess it up, and it'll cost them you know, frustration, it'll cause you frustration and time. So yeah, that, I don't know, forms work for kind of really specific use case where we can ask lots of people the same questions and it's a short, short form thing. Everything else kind of needs a a more persistent uh, store of information.
0: I've always struggled uh, in my old consulting days uh, with file management, before everything was in the cloud, in that regard, that who owns that shared folder? Is it our obligation to keep it up for another five years after we hmm. hand over the project, or anything like that? Like Can ima- I
1: can't even imagine or remember life before Dropbox. Eh?
0: Yeah. Well, that that <laughs> helps with Dropbox, but you still gotta manage that <laughs> oh, Dropbox no, you folder. Just, <laughs> you were just saying
1: like you used to struggle with the file management. I'm just like. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that in a long time. How you know, USB sticks and <laughs> hard drives and trying to keep all your computers in sync—like there was no way to do that, right? You'd be like, "Oh no, that file's on my other computer." Now you just don't even think about that because I, I just operate 100% out of Google Drive now, uh, and and don't even think about it. <laughs> I just God, things have come so far. Yeah, I mean that comes down to business processes, though, right? Every business. The, the way you're going to deal with client information and collecting information from people, like even people that don't use Content Snare, it's, they've usually got some kind of process. Um, well, I hope they have some kind of process. A lot of time it is literally just send an email to the client and get answers back. Like I'm trying to get a grant at the moment from the Australian government. And as part of the application process, they sent me the exact kind of email I was describing before with like, 10 questions, it was like 15 questions asking for like five documents and a bunch of other stuff. And I know that person is sending that same kind of email with different questions to like 50 other people. Can you imagine the amount of email that they're going to get coming back? But like I've I've spoken to these people in these, in in these uh, companies and their process is just like, get the emails that come back and put them somewhere. They might have a folder for all the documents that come back. They just put them there straight away. And yeah, but it still turns into a mess typically. But like, that's diff- going to be defined in every every business. Like, you need somewhere to store your client information. Sometimes that's going to be in a project, like a project management system. So, not a lot of people now are using sort of ClickUp or Monday or something like that. Um, if you can attach the files uh, to someone's project, you know, I think some people do it in CRMs as well. So, you, like, in, you can attach files in something like Salesforce. Not not all CRMs can take files like that attached to a contact but um, you know I, I don't know I think most people use Google Drive that's at least when we surveyed our customers most of them most of them are on Google Drive and it's just a matter of having a really good file structure there and and having a process in place of what happens when information comes in because you know you don't want to lose anything that your client sent because then it doesn't yeah it looks really bad <laughs> So, you know, I can actually sabotage client relationships. I've seen that quite a bit. And I've been in that position too, right? Where we built something wrong because we didn't store the right, like we, we built a website based on information that was like five emails before the one that we missed, you know, because we didn't take the, the whatever they said in that, that fifth email or whatever, we didn't store that in the project. So the wrong website got built. So it's really important to just have some kind of process that every single time an email comes in it gets stored, you know and and that's why there's a lot of a lot of tools now We'll have uh, plug it, the Chrome extensions that sit alongside Gmail so you can push data straight into a. I think Clickup might have one now too, so you can like push email straight into a project just so you've got a record.
0: What do you think of tools like Notion? You know I've had a good time with Notion and also Dropbox Paper as sort of freeform shared docs for consulting reports and also a little bit for the intake. And what's your opinion on those?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another great place that, you know, again, it, everyone's storing stuff in different different places, as long as you have a good process. You know, Notion is actually one of the ones that was requested as an uh, what, like an integration with Content Snare. A lot of people requested Notion. A lot of people are building project management systems in Notion. So everything I said about projects kind of apply there too. You attach as long as, you know, because in it you can build a database in Notion and store all your client information there as well. Same deal. As it comes in, make sure it's stored away. All the documents that you need are attached to the right the right records. I think it's a great solution. Uh, we don't use it for that, but for client stuff, we use it as like an internal wiki, a knowledge base kind of thing. And I mean, that's the beauty of Notion is you can use it for pretty much anything, right? And th- I think I've even got like present lists that I want to buy my family and, and my wife and stuff. That's all in my Notion as well.
0: Is there anything that virtually any business is missing out on that that if they're not doing it right now?
1: A way to identify your best leads coming in. That's kind of what I was talking about before. I think that's a really cool process uh, that no one really... Should, like I don't think I've spoken to anyone that it was already doing that <laughs> uh, when I tell them tell them about that that like lead flow. So like it's, it's basically lead enrichment is so you know, so when someone comes in just based on their email address, you can find out more information and then uh, and then you know take actions based on that. Another one is probably I mean you know again I don't I don't know how many people listening to this are doing it, but just having ways to identify the best leads that are in your system. You know, most marketing automation tools have the ability to register when people are clicking links and, you know, engaging with your content the most. And that's, you know, identifying the hottest leads. I guess you've got people that are really looking around your website and opening your emails and clicking on things and, and delivering them different content. You know, because that's, that's like they're indicating where they are in the buyer's journey. If they're engaging with everything, they're probably closer to uh, being ready to buy from you. So then you can deliver different content to them. I think that's something a lot of people don't spend the time setting up that um, can go a long way to, to converting more, you know, trial users or whatever, you know, non paying users to paying users.
0: We've talked about that uh, a couple episodes ago with Jason Resnick, and he was oh, talking, yes. uh, mentioning that A is uh, hot leads. And you, when they achieve a certain level of hotness, you, you move them to a salesperson uh, sequence, sort of. Uh, uh, basically, you take them out of all other automations and focus on converting them in, in a specific brilliant. campaign. Yeah, yeah, go and listen to
1: Jason. He's a legend. I love Jason. So, yeah, go <laughs> out, just ignore me and go and listen to that episode. <laughs>
0: As we're wrapping up today's episode, one more piece of advice, one do and one don't for people who are doing business automation.
1: Oh, (laughs) the one do I was going to say is like actually just start learning because I think the biggest problem a lot of people have with automation is that it's so broad. It's so big and it looks scary and hard to learn. You know, it's, I just think that the, you need people need to kind of have a really good well, not good like just some understanding of what's possible with automation because it's like i said before it's kind of hard to outsource you can't just hire someone that's going to fix all your automation and operational problems straight out of the box so i i think it's really good to just learn a little bit of zapier and how what's possible and you can do that just by starting to set up a few small things here and there you know like connecting your contact form to your crm or whatever and and then as your knowledge builds, you can do more and more complicated things. So I, I guess my do there, and I don't know. This is probably cliche and lame, but just to actually start learning. Um, especially if someone is not, you know, if they think automation is scary, just go and just Google Zapier tutorial. You'll find my, uh, you might find me again. Just do Jimmy Rose Zapier tutorial. It'll it'll show you how to do some really basic automations and and get you started there. The don't, which I guess is not really automation related what is to my my journey but just don't do crap that's not on your critical path you know like i started doing automation as a service for people just because i like it you know i'm a SaaS founder what the hell am i doing that for i think that's uh just the shiny object thing it's so easy to get distracted by all this like other cool stuff crypto like i feel like a lot of my friends are just going down the crypto rabbit hole and i'm like how about just make something cool on your business like in your business yeah so don't do stuff not on your critical path that's my don't
0: i love that it costs nothing to just say no uh yeah. well except for mental energy of course uh, Yeah. but oh, it is hard uh, it's, it's it's like uh losing weight by eating less doesn't cost you anything but super <clears> effective it's the same way for business <laughs> focus right
1: right you know saying no is actually really hard and so something i did recently was I tried to find another way around it because every time I got a lead coming in about an automation job, I would have basically felt like I had to say yes, you know, and that was so, so now I found ways to deal with that. Number one, I went and removed myself from every automation expert directory. So I was on the Zapier one the active campaign went integramat i've removed myself from all of them so the leads don't come in anymore <laughs> and then when i do hear someone come in even old clients i found someone really good that i can refer them all to so that's like my default response now so it's it's made that saying no process a lot easier uh so that i feel like you can kind of do that you can put systems in for saying no to typical things that you find yourself saying yes to
0: i have a notion uh, directory of recommended designers when people come to me for client work so that really nice. makes saying no nicer
1: <laughs> yeah that's it you know it's and that's uh, like your own system for dealing with with how to say no yeah i like it
0: it's really funny how we booked this episode uh, for recording when you were still an automation Expert, just based yeah. on your uh, Twitter bio and everything, and now we are talking about how to remove yourself from there. It's funny, really. <laughs> yeah, well, I
1: mean, I still help. Like, I still have a YouTube channel. Um, I still like creating content around it. I haven't done it in a while because, again, it's not on my critical path. But I probably will. Like, I enjoy the content creation side of things and and helping people with automation. So that's probably going to keep going. It's more just the one on one stuff that uh, that I'm done with because it just drains so much of my time.
0: Where can people find you and your work online?
1: Yeah, so Content Snare is obviously our SaaS product, contentsnare.com. JimmyRose.me is where my automation, like sort of videos and blog are. So you might find some helpful stuff on Zapier there. And, uh, and just some of the productivity tools I use as well. And underscore Jimmy Rose on Twitter. It's probably the best place to connect with me on social.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today with us. And have a wonderful rest of your week.
1: Thank you very much, Jane. And right back at you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you found the episode useful, please spread the word about this new show on Twitter, mentioning UserList, or leave us a review on iTunes.